Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Songbirds Radio Hour. I'm your host, Reed Caldwell, and tonight we are pleased to have Screaming Females on the show. They played Songbirds back in August of 2023, and if you keep up with the punk scene, you'll know, much to our dismay, that the band officially disbanded back in December. Pretty surprising news for fans of the New Jersey Power Trio, but all signs point to the split being a friendly one. I know from my time with them, they certainly seem more like family than bandmates. On their official Instagram account, the band said, After 18 years, we have decided that Screaming Females is coming to an end. A lot changed around us over those 18 years, but at our core, we operated pretty much the same throughout. We funded and made the records we wanted to make. We did our own art. We printed a lot of our own merch. We managed ourselves. Probably most importantly, we have loaded up our van with our gear and traveled around the world to play shows wherever you would have us. We tried to build and celebrate community the best we could. So for tonight's radio hour, we thought it fitting to celebrate screaming females and the DIY spirit that was the foundation of their success. We're going to air our backstage interview with Marissa, Jarrett, and Mike alongside a playlist of great tunes. We're even going to throw in some never-before-heard live tracks from their performance here at Songbirds. More coming up on the Songbirds Radio Hour. Here we are backstage in the vault at Songbirds. Again, so happy to have Screaming Females with us on the show. I'm a huge fan and a lot of our staff is fans as well. Would you mind introducing yourselves to our audience at home? My name is Marissa. Uh, I play guitar and sing in Screaming Females. Hi, I'm Mike. I play the bass. And I'm Jarrett and I play drums. Uh, I don't know how much information you got about this whole thing and what Songbirds is, but uh, Songbirds is a nonprofit, uh, the museum, the everything the concerts whatever we do we raise money for guitars for kids program when we give away about a thousand free guitars every year to kids all across the south um and some in the north i guess we've got uh school up in new york now uh we we you know we give away free instruction and also like strings and picks and tuners and all that sort of thing and we do music therapy with kids and uh this radio hour uh is kind of part an extension of that we like to share stories about music and why people do what they do um, basically to kind of show a little bit about kind of what's behind the music. Cause we know some of our kids coming up, they want to be professional musicians. And sometimes um, it's great for them to hear from those people about how they got where they got. And it's also he- great for them to hear about other options in music, you know, like, Oh, there isn't just a musician. There's also people that do lights and sound and all that sort of stuff. And I think you guys are awesome because you do a lot of the stuff yourself. You're like a, you know, a Supreme DIY band, Maybe talk a little bit about that, like how you, why, why you're a, what you would call a DIY or I would call a DIY band and what you think, why you think that's important. Um, yeah. So we started playing in New Brunswick, New Jersey in 2005 
And there's a couple things that were going on at the time. One, no one was coming to New Brunswick to try to like sign a band or put you on a tour or but whatever. But were you guys like the hot, you were like the new Seattle, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so it's basically all the bands that were around us that we were able to, um, who were a step or two ahead of us from the area, um, were DIY punk bands and they had just gone out and toured and it was really pretty amazing to see all the things they were able, uh, were able to accomplish um, recording records with cool people that they funded themselves or, you know, touring across the country. And so when we started, that was our, that was the model. That's what we saw. And we were like, that looks so exciting, you know, to get out there and be able to play. Um, this is the first band I've ever been in. And still 18 years later is my only band. And, um, but I'd hung out with a lot of bands before that. And they seemed to, no matter how good they were, they were able to like shoot themselves in the foot. And a lot of that had to do with trying to um, figure out how to work the music industry and work mm-hmm. their way into the music industry. And I think that, you know, having those moments where it feels like you're almost there, like you're getting to showcase for like a major record uh, label or something, and then it doesn't come through can be, it, it can really like hurt people, you know, mm-hmm. and it can make it feel like they have no options out of that. So I think seeing that and then right after it, seeing all these punk bands in New Brunswick who were able to just go out, do their own records that looked great, were printed up for real, were in, you know, distros and stores occasionally, and then also just go tour across the country on their own. It was just super inspiring. And then once we started doing that, uh, anytime that we've had to bring in somebody like a booking agent, it was mainly because it just got to be too overwhelming. We couldn't do everything at some yeah. point. So... Um, I think you learn a lot from that and then it's less likely you get taken advantage of or more, more along the lines of just you end up working with somebody who's not doing a great job and you don't even know because you've never done that work yeah. yourself. Um, so we have experience in everything. We do have people who help us out. We have a label that puts out our records. We have a booking agent. We work closely with us. But it's actually people who also came up in that same scene in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And... Marissa still does all our artwork. Mike prints up our T-shirts. You know, I answer all the emails, help a lot with booking the tours. We drive our own van that we own and haul our gear in and out. So uh, it's kind of the same thing that we've always been doing. Y'all got any follow-ups to that? I got nothing. That yeah. That's, that was a good summation of it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. So you do the art? I do. You do the T-shirts? Mm-hmm. You all drive? We all, all drive. three of us at the same time. <laughs> at the same time, you yeah. sit in a little uh, stack, put the seat all the way back. The <laughs> Jarrett built our website. Yeah. I do all the merch fulfillment for the web store. I think that's really amazing because I, I know I've worked as a booking agent for a, like a good amount of time. I had a booking agency when I was 20 years younger, and I've done this and a bunch of nonprofit work and stuff, and I just know how complicated it all is. I think sometimes when you say it, like we, we do all of our own stuff. I think people don't understand, you know, just talk a little bit about how it is that you do all that stuff and you, and you, you kind of keep doing it over and over again. Cause it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a whole lot of work. I think we, uh, focus a lot on having like an equitable division of like labor, which we didn't do consciously. It just kind of like happened naturally, mm-hmm. but I don't like, obviously there isn't one person who has to bear the brunt of like all of the responsibilities even though Jarrett does mostly everything yeah <laughs> do you have like a do you have like a like a chart like when you're a kid you got like the like this yeah, week Jared this week it's my week to clean yeah, the bathroom the and my sister will do it the next 
You get a little you get a gold star when you do yeah, your when you do your chores. Sure. I mean, it's not quite like that, but we do. Uh, you know, we have a lot of dates and schedules that we got to stick to, yeah. and I think that that's something that it's like you said. It sounds easier than it ends up being, but getting the people that you work with stuff on time is <laughs> amazingly difficult across the board when you're working with people on anything, and trying to be not the weakest link in that chain has always been <laughs> something to strive for. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it shows, it's just like, you know, uh, booking shows, advancing shows, like that takes a ton of time, um, figuring out what time you're supposed to be somewhere, who's working the gig, who's your contact, you know, whether they make sure they have your stage plot, all this, all this stuff. But it's, it's amazing how sometimes that can break down and how it really makes it difficult because then like last minute you're trying to call around and you're saying, why is there no sound guy here? Like what's, what's going on? And, um, I don't know. I think from the people that we work with, we've gotten great feedback for many years of people saying you, you all are the best to work with. And it's really just because of simple stuff like that. Well, stuff that sounds simple, but like you're saying it, it really does take a lot of work. Sometimes you're like, Oh man, this image isn't the right DPI. Like Marissa, you got to get it done. We have 30 minutes. This thing's supposed to be in somebody's hands. And <laughs> don't worry, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Those are the that's, right words. That's what I say. Those are the right words, right? Oh, and it's, it's, it's no amazing. Big deal. It's amazing. Sometimes it really feels like there's a lot of pressure to figure out, uh, you know, Oh my, Oh my God, the person who was supposed to make our tour flyer, they, they had a, a crisis and now they can't do it. And it's going out tomorrow and there's an announcement about it. Yeah. Who can pull together and a tour flyer? You know what I say? Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. <laughs> That's all you need. And I take care of it. Songbirds radio hour, kicking off our first musical set. We've got screaming females, buzzcocks and the bouncing souls. More interview up after the tunes.
Welcome back to the Songbirds Radio Hour. Tonight, we're celebrating the DIY and underground scene alongside the music of our guests, Screaming Females. We've just heard their song, Bell, followed by Ever Fall in Love by the Buzzcocks, and closing out the set was True Believers by the Bouncing Souls. We'll have more music throughout the show, but for now, let's jump back into our interview with Marissa, Mike, and Jarrett. I do feel like the cool thing about, I know about John and I both, we've both done a lot of stuff ourselves. And I feel like it's really cool that way because you get to meet a lot of awesome folks along the way. Definitely. Which is, which you, if you're not your own booking agent and you're not dealing with people on the ground, sometimes these people that come in, I mean, come in here, they never, they never really make any connection with anyone here, which is maybe fine, maybe great. Maybe you don't want to, really, <laughs> maybe you don't really want to sit in our guitar vault with me and do an interview. But, you know, I think that's kind of what was always special to me is I got to meet a lot of really cool people that like to do things and do cool things. And I think that's what, really makes the world go around for me is just meeting people that like to do cool things. Um, I think that's kind of what makes it special. Big time. That's, that's what was, that's, what's always been exciting about what we do. Like our first tours going and playing literally in people's homes where they would cook us dinner and show us slice of life that we didn't see in suburban New Jersey, you know, like that is, that's supremely exciting. That's what, we it's not like it's not like this was our job when we, it, back in 2005 or whatever when we first started doing it we were doing it because it was fun and we were meeting people and learning I, I feel like i learned more about the world doing this weird rock and roll thing than i did in any formal setting you know yeah definitely and that's what <laughs> that's what was able to make it something that's been like incorporated really into our lives it's not just a profession it's like part of our identity and who we are and we're we're best friends, you know, we've been hanging out together for 18 years and uh, that wouldn't be possible if it was just sitting in green rooms and going to truck stops. Although there's a lot of that too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kind of go back a little bit, talk about a little bit how you got started, uh, just how you met, how you learned your instruments and we can just kind of go down the line here. We can start on either end or in the middle. I don't care. Uh, in the middle. <laughs> in the middle or either in? Oh, in the middle of... In the middle yeah, of the trio of, of you. I in the middle of the story. I was like, that's... You could start in the middle of the story. You could do <laughs> like... I don't know where uh, the middle is. We would have to do you, some math. You could do like a Quentin Tarantino or something and start yeah. in the middle and then tell all the... Can yeah. you put like flashback noises? <laughs> I met Mike when I was a child. I don't even remember really, but uh, we went to high school. Well, we went to school together for our entire lives. Uh, and met, started You're hanging out. Still in school, right? For your entire we, lives. We are still in school. <laughs> still in school yeah, now. Yeah. School, Jared, school sure hard that knocks. We, that we have some like uh, tutors coming. Yeah, I never graduated, so I guess I'm still in school. Well, I <laughs> got a few credits. <laughs> <laughs> they might have expired. You're, you're all still in ninth grade biology. Today. Yeah. Um, so Mike and I started hanging out in high school. Um, we went to a Catholic school, so there wasn't a music program because God hates music. And, um, but there was this thing called Music Club after school where um, our, te- our math teacher, Mr. Silberto, shout out Mr. C, who really liked fish and like Modesky, Martin, and Wood. Wood, uh, he played mandolin and he could rip the mandolin pretty hard. He was the moderator of Music Club, and, and that's where uh, Mike and I started playing together. We would have to cover fish and like lean, because Mr. C would make us. 
But we learned how to jam. He was obviously very focused on jamming, Mr. Celebrato. Um, so I, I learned a lot of how to play by ear uh, via that, which was uh, at the time infuriating because all I wanted to do was play like pavement songs, but very grateful for it now. <laughs> That's an important experience, too, because a lot of people, a lot of guitar shredders spend a lot of time alone in their room, and they can, they might be really, really proficient, and then, I don't know if you've had this experience where maybe you meet somebody who shreds, and all of a sudden they can't play with <laughs> other people. Like, they just don't oh, yeah. know how. No, I've met, and I've that's, met, I've met that's all how of those people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's probably, like, a, I feel like an abundance of them now because of TikTok. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of really, like, good guitar players who can't really play with other people because yeah. they just play to their ring light but we all have macbook pros now so you don't need other people yeah yeah that's true or they play really well but they have no social skills so they i mean <laughs> they, i didn't have, they, they can i did play. not have any social skills so that's you you do not need that all right you don't need um, it <laughs> but, uh, but anyway so we knew each other and then mike and i were in like a, a weird neighborhood kid band <laughs> called surgery on tv it was like um, uh, Mike and I and then two other people who had very different taste in music than us and we were kind of a jam band I guess um, and that fell apart uh, like after 10 shows and then when I was a sophomore in college I met Jarrett because I had two songs on a compilation CD of New Brunswick artists that our friends basically like spearheaded and Jarrett heard it uh, Jarrett was the treasurer <laughs> Of, of the, the organization of the organization <laughs> that made the compilation and uh, I guess he was fascinated by the fact that uh, the two songs that I uh, put on the comp were so different because one was like my solo project and then one was surgery on TV Mike and I's band um, so when I went to go pick up my copy of the CD at the club meeting I met Jarrett there and I asked him he said he played drums and then I asked him if he wanted to be in the band <laughs> immediately <laughs> That's without ever hearing him play that's where all the good bands form that way. <laughs> yeah. record label club yeah yeah so jerry was briefly in surgery on tv but um one of the members our friend chris bobbins who we who we love very much he went to uh college so then when he left there was just the three of us i was already in college but yeah he was he was going to school for um like a jazz performance and composition that became uh, overwhelming for him pretty quickly, and he wasn't really needing to spend a lot of time <laughs> jamming on like uh, punk rock songs. And so he he ate all of the Modesky Martin and Wood sauce, and he's like, "I gotta oh, go yeah. I, now. Oh, I gotta yeah. go now. I gotta go uh, all the way to college and fully and, and really yeah. further my improv to this point <laughs> level where I can." He's a really good pianist. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Yeah, he's oh, incredible. I'm sure. Yeah. And then how did you start playing? Oh. Uh, my dad had a guitar in our house. Uh, I wasn't particularly interested, and I never touched it or looked at it or asked him about it, but I had started listening to Nirvana, and so he asked me if I wanted to learn a Nirvana song on the guitar because it was, and I quote, easy. That's what he said. I didn't say that. Yeah. Um, but it was. <laughs> it turns out that it was easy. Yeah. And then I was just like, this is easy. Which song was it? I don't even remember. I think it was Come As You Are, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But my dad just plays yeah. for like pleasure. Um, he just kind of strums the guitar, so he's he's never uh, played in a band or anything like that. But I just I don't know. I just it was there, and 
I, I was getting really into punk and I got kind of obsessed with it. Songbirds Radio Hour. We're talking with screaming females backstage before their concert in August 2023. And Marissa didn't just get obsessed with the guitar. She got very, very good at the guitar. So good that both Spin and Rolling Stone have put her on their greatest guitarists of all time lists. To illustrate the point, here are a few live tracks from their concert at Songbirds. Thank you so much for screaming females. We're from New Brunswick, New Jersey. 
Thanks for being here.
Dungeon for playing the show. Thank you to Songbird for having us. This is a beautiful place filled with many interesting items. And thank you, William, for organizing this show for us. That was Screaming Females playing at Songbirds in August 2023. And you're listening to the Songbirds Radio Hour. We're a little more than halfway through our show, so if you're just joining us, Tonight is all about Screaming Females and the DIY spirit that guided them along in the band's 18 years of recording and touring. Let's jump right back into the interview. Okay, so we've heard about how Marissa got her start. What about you, Mike? How'd you get started on the bass? Um, I, my brother and also my mom uh, played guitar a little bit. And really? so I, yeah. Cool. Uh, my mom play, oh, used, used to strum the guitar a little bit. Uh, but my brother got into the guitar and I wanted to do it too. And then one day I saw Marissa play and I was like, ah, give up. She's too good. I don't want to do this anymore. So then I wanted to play the bass so that we could be in a band together. And then I did. <laughs> Boom, baby. <laughs> Boom. I mean, she's strong. She had like a, it, it's like a, a black a Gibson acoustic guitar. She play good. a C chord. You oh my know? God. I'm going to give her one tomorrow. <laughs> she wants to, she's wanting she play like Harry Nielsen songs or something. Cool, that's awesome. <laughs> With the one, 100 cigarette. Okay. Wasn't that <laughs> <laughs> uh, big, big cigarette. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, both of my parents are very, very musical. Um, my mom was a music therapist, and my dad uh, had a home studio, like going way back from when I was a kid, like before many people had home studios in the 80s. Um, and my mom plays like a dozen instruments. My dad sings and plays guitar, plays a little piano. Um, and I just, they couldn't get me to play anything. Like they always, they just put guitars in my hands, sit me down at the piano, just nothing. I was just like, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do this. But it always felt like they were hanging over my shoulder. Um, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, they were just trying to encourage me, but I was like, Stop looking at me, Dad. You know. Um, so at some point you yelled, "Fine!" <laughs> it will, basically, I was like, uh, "They're like, well, you gotta play something," and I was like, "Well, neither of them play drums at all." So they can't not, tell me what to they do. They can't tell me what to do if I start playing drums. And my mom, from work, from working with other musicians, um, she had a friend of hers at work whose brother was like the principal percussionist in the New Jersey uh, symphony. And I took lessons from him from the time I was nine till I was 18. And we did a lot of stuff, a lot of orchestral percussion, but also drum set, some uh, 
a traditional like learned some tabla learned uh different types of frame drums from around the world so yeah spent a lot of time playing different percussion instruments from 9 until 18 and then at 18 i moved out of my parents house and basically stopped playing for a number of years um, because i just didn't have room for a drum set anywhere and that's that period i was saying um when i was just hanging out with other bands and uh didn't really think i was ever going to play in a band until suddenly marissa asked me to play in a band and i was like yeah let's do it (laughs) talk a little bit while we're talking about this talk a little about um what advice would you give younger players i think especially like um i don't want to single you out but we don't have we have a ton of kids playing guitar a lot of female kids playing guitar and we don't have a lot of female guitarists coming through songbirds we try we get people and we do but you've been you know you've been voted like the greatest guitarist on the spin magazine and a bunch of other things just talk a little bit about that and what advice you would give to a young young woman who's trying to learn how to play learn to play the guitar for the first time um i mean i I honestly really didn't like consider my gender identity for a long time until like we started doing press which was probably like years into the band and people were just like wow you're an anomaly it's really (laughs) strange you're weird and i or like i've never encountered like a girl like you before and i was just like oh yeah i guess that is like uh, i am sort of like the odd man out sometimes but uh i don't know i i my advice for for a, a young woman would probably be my advice for anybody who wants to pursue a career in music is to just do it if you like it, if you don't, you know, don't do it for the wrong reasons. It's like, I really love music. I love songwriting. Like I love performing and stuff like that. That doesn't really have to much to do with my gender identity. Although, um, gender politics and listening to like riot girl and learning about like radical feminism and punk did definitely drive me towards wanting to be in a band that kind of stood for those same values so i guess the two things are inextricably linked but um yeah i don't i don't know i mean you're still gonna be in the minority pool for a while if you're a female identifying person playing rock and roll but it's definitely getting better yeah i mean and i think that's a great answer i think i think that is a weird thing that you know people want to know about but i also feel like just having the the advice that's just like if you love it, do it, and don't worry about what all this other stuff that's going on or whether or not you fit in or don't fit in. I think that's a great message to all these kids in general because it's it is music is the great unifier, right? It's the thing that gives us a common message. It gives us the ability to express ourselves. And yeah, do, it's like a a don't let the bastards get you down kind of damn straight <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's like if there's some weird dude who's you're jamming with, who's giving you guff because you're a lady, you don't want to play with him anyway. Yeah. Like you will find people who are like-minded that will totally treat you with the respect that you deserve. So I totally agree. I think that's, I think that's great advice. Um, don't let the bastards get you.
Welcome back to the Songbirds Radio Hour. Tonight, we're celebrating the DIY and underground scene alongside the killer music of our guests, Screaming Females. In that last set, we had Screaming Females, Let Me In, Bratmobiles, What's Wrong With You, and Team Dresh, Free Will. We'll have more music to close out the show, but for now, let's wrap up the interview with Marissa, Mike, and Jarrett. Maybe just uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, what's upcoming. We just put out an album this year called Desire Pathway. We've been doing a bunch of gigs for it. It's been wonderful. Um, and uh, what else are we doing? I don't know. We, we're just doing what we always do. We write music. We record it. We perform it for you. And sometimes, you know, we get to come play at the Guitar Museum. And we're <laughs> extremely fortunate to travel as much as we do. We just... Went to Europe. We're getting ready to go to New Zealand. We just went to Alaska. We we've been to Hawaii. We like we are in a, an extremely uh, privileged uh, situation. We are, we, are, we are really lucky to do <laughs> what we do. What uh, what did you do in Alaska when you were there? Did you played five shows? Four shows? Where? Five shows? Five. five. Like Juno or somewhere? Or were we? No, we, we didn't. Did, go to uh, we played six shows, didn't we? We played. Yes, we, we played, played Homer. Six. Talkeetna. Then we played Talkeetna, then we played two shows in Fairbanks, and then we played two shows in Anchorage. What did you got? Seven? Eight. We just eight put out... Eight full-length studio yeah. albums. Eight full-length studio albums, a live album, and some uh, singles compilations and stuff. And what's, your, what's the label you're on? Don Giovanni Records out of New Jersey. It's been our longtime label. We put out the first few releases ourselves, and then started working with Don Giovanni and been working with them ever since. On the titles you put out yourself, did you record it all yourself too? First one we did. Yeah. And then uh, started working with people. Um, yeah, we've done a few, we did a few records with a good friend of Marissa's, Eric Bennett, who um, she still works with at a studio in New Jersey. And then we did a few records with Steve Albini. And then we did our last few records with uh, Matt Bayless. So yeah, we've worked with a bunch of different That's people. Good lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, we're going to play out the radio show with some more of your live tunes. But before we do, let me thank you again for being here with us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We love Chattanooga. Yeah, we're just, we're really excited to have this show. I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this show here because we, this is the kind of stuff we listen to a lot. And, uh, <laughs> nice. This is the kind of show that I want to go see. Cool. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for hanging out with us back here. Hell yeah. Locked up in the vault together. <laughs> when is the oxygen getting sucked? Together to the end, right? <laughs> <laughs>
Songbirds Radio Hour is made possible through a grant from the Riverview Foundation. This episode was produced and written by Reed Caldwell and John Dooley. Live recording by James Snyder. Additional thanks to Victoria Sauer, Bill Johnson, WTC, and of course, Screaming Females. Directed and edited by John Dooley. Live music mixed by Dran Michael Lewis. A list of the music used in this episode is available in the show notes on our website or on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to see a show at Songbirds, visit songbirdsfoundation.org to check out our event schedule. We'll be in our new Main Street location starting early 2024, so definitely make some time to check out the new space.